0: Welcome to the Six Hats Podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hi everyone, welcome to the Six Hats podcast. And I'm really excited today to have Sandra Howard join us. Now, Sandra has a background in education, has a diploma in early childhood, a qualified personal trainer life coach now counselor and what is really special about sandra she's also a mindfulness specialist at primary schools here in melbourne and the author of many books on mindfulness so i'm really excited to have her her passion for mindfulness comes from having faced And overcome adversities and a desire to enhance our perceptions and abilities towards enjoying all that life has to offer. So welcome, Sandra.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. Thanks, Jamie.
0: So, Sandra, I'd love for us to start about your journey into mindfulness. And I know that you are teaching kids as young as, you know, five or six year olds in mindfulness. And I always look back and going, I wish I knew about mindfulness. I really literally got into it in the last 10 to 15 years and how It's transformed my life, and I really wish I had those skills earlier. So how did you yourself get into mindfulness?
1: Well, throughout my 20s, I was doing meditation and yoga randomly, but I wasn't aware of what mindfulness really meant. And then at the age of 41, after four years of IVF, I lost my first child through stillbirth at 36 weeks. We had many friends who gave us lots of books to help us through our grief, And one of the books that really stood out was Eckhart Tolle's New Earth. And that helped me so much through my grief that it led to many more mindfulness books. Yeah, those. that sort of was the beginning of my journey into mindfulness.
0: That's fantastic. And so how did you get into mindfulness for children? How did you end up as a mindfulness specialist?
1: Well, after another four years and then finally having my first living child, so it was eight years total, trying to become a mum, I actually ended up doing a life coaching course while I was on maternity leave. And when I went back to work after maternity leave, I met the principal to discover what I could do in the future and told him all about what I'd been doing. And he created a mindfulness position for me at our school that I'd been for about 15 years, I think at that stage. Yeah so he was very much into mindfulness and he loved what I had been doing so we decided we had a mindfulness teacher at our school for from prep to six to grade six.
0: That's amazing and that's just music to my ears because the younger we start with this amazing skill we learn to emotionally regulate and really understand how to deal with stresses and that hasn't massive impact in terms of even chronic health conditions and especially mental health. So do you have any stories to share of how kids who have learnt about mindfulness and how they're behaving differently?
1: I do. I would like to share I suppose why I think it's important for children to learn from a young age because there's really many occasions where I noticed at while I was teaching that children were you know sort of suffering, unnecessary painful experiences that could have been prevented if they were a little bit more aware of their needs and the needs of others. So I truly enjoy paying forward those tools and that's why I created my books so as I could help the children to sort of see how to put mindfulness into practice. And once I was able to do that with the children, those children who were practicing mindfulness, you could actually see they were able to create A sense of space to process what was going on around them so rather than being reactive they were sort of able to be more responsive to a situation
0: wow and to be honest i think many adults could be using that tool as well because we can be quite reactive rather than taking a step back and being responsive do you have a story to share of any of your students that you've been teaching mindfulness how have they transformed
1: There was an occasion while I was teaching where there were two girls who were really good friends and then, you know, when that third person, a new girl, comes along and wants to join in, they become quite possessive. You know, the two girls who were friends first, yeah, they become a little bit jealous of each other. So this third girl tried to come in. She was only six years old and she got rejected. So instead of dobbing on the girl, she approached me and she said, hey, this is what's happening. I'm trying to join in with them. And one of the girls in particular is telling me to go away. So I was able to explain to her, look, they've been friends for a long time and I can help you join in. Let's give them a chance to sort out what they're doing and then we'll go and, you know, approach them. And she looked me straight in the eye and she said, that's a good idea. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go and play over here with this other person. Yeah. And she sort of gave herself that space. She didn't get offended. She was able to give herself that space to just go play with someone else. And then later on, when we did go and approach the girls together, the girls, you know, I was able to say to the girls, look, I can see you've been friends for a really long time. So-and-so's new. She'd love to join you. You know, how do you feel about giving her a chance to play with you? And they were really open to it just because we noticed their need that they were friends first. So that's a really good example
0: that's incredible Sandra because you know that situation happened to a six-year-old but I hear stories of much older teenagers even you know even older of friendship conflict and to have that skill set wow how much suffering can we avoid by by using the skills of mindfulness but I'm really curious how can children start? on their mindfulness journey? What do you do with your students?
1: Usually we read stories that will help us to explore our experiences. One of the reasons I created books was the very first children's book that I created was called Each Moment. And that's a story, but a true story between my sister and I who had conflict when we were younger. The second half of the stories made up because there was a parent who knew how to create space for us to figure out our own issues. So using a story that encourages children to reflect on their issues and their challenges and giving them tools to create a different way of approaching a challenge can be a great way for children to start with mindfulness. And it's something they already do. So they already know about stories. So it's more the conversation and the way you're taking the children into the story to help them to reflect. Another technique is practicing breathing techniques like the five finger breathing, where you trace your fingers and you breathe in on the way up one finger and breathing out on the way down. And so you go through tracing all five fingers, breathing in and out. And the third that I really recommend is also when a parent reflects on their childhood in a way that shows the children they can relate to exactly that moment. I find that really helps.
0: That's amazing. That's such great tips for a parent. And that makes sense, actually, if they don't have access to a mindfulness specialist in their primary school, this is something parents can do is to find books. Would that be right? Yes, they can read to their child.
1: Yes, to find books or to find breathing techniques they can do with their child, or even to just reflect um, on when they were a child and they experienced something similar. It's yeah, it helps the child to see, okay, this is something that I can get through. Someone else has gotten through it and I can too.
0: And we're gonna take a couple of steps back because when I really think about it, do people understand what mindfulness is? So are you able to explain what exactly is mindfulness for those who may not have heard of it? If
1: I explain it in terms of as a parent, it's about becoming more aware of our emotional needs and the role we play as a role model to fill our own cups so that we're more aware of what our children need and looking at our child through the lens of what do they need at this moment. So rather than tuning into past issues and dealing with you know, what they were worried about from the past or rather than issues stemming from them projecting into the future, it helps them to just become more present and project on what does that child need now? What do I need right now? And how do I negotiate this moment just based on our needs right now? And that's that whole beautiful protective space of mindfulness to keep you from falling into the past or into the future, sort of being able to grow from that moment.
0: I love that. It actually makes me wonder whether parents should be do practicing mindfulness in order for their children to be, because it's a two-way thing. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. As a parent, I found usually when I'm struggling or when my child is struggling, I have to take a few steps back and make sure that I've been caring for myself first, because usually I'm depleted if we're having those big challenges. So being mindful myself, I go for walks or I might read or perhaps even just chatting with a friend. I've just started gardening, which is really fun. Yeah, so that's been helping me become and stay more mindful. So if you're not the type of person to go and sort of sit and meditate, because a lot of people find that really challenging, doing an activity that keeps you in a zone of feeling like you're being yourself and you're feeling relaxed, that is mindfulness in itself. So it's whatever it is means to you so for some people i know going for a run is their mindfulness activity for other people it's a bike ride so yeah for parents it's about finding what it is that helps you to feel calm and relaxed
0: i think that's wise wise words and what a great reminder because you know we meet so many so many parents are working super hard juggling a lot of roles and often we can forget to fill our own cup. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So really such a great reminder. Now, Sandra, I'd love to know more about your books and what can people expect?
1: So my books are a really good basis for parents to chat with their children about certain issues. So the first one is called Each Moment. And that one there is about two siblings who find a way to meet each other's needs because they discover they actually have the same need. So when they have that conflict, they think they're very different from each other. And then when they have that mindful moment together, they discover they have the same need, they're just approaching it differently. And then they find this really cool way to have each other's need met and honour each other's differences at the same time, which is not an easy thing to do in life. The second book is called Weedy Thoughts, and that book there is all about turning your doubts into a question. So, for example, in the book, the character in the book, the witch in the book, she thinks she's not very clever and the question is asked, well, what is clever about you? So flipping a statement into a question to open up So you actually start looking for what is clever about you. So it's got three questions in there that help to transform the way you think about yourself. And then the last book is called The School of Boring. And that's about a teacher who sees the children uh, not enjoying the way that they're learning. They feel really like they're in a fixed mindset. And then she creates questions that create that open mindset that helps the children to grow. So. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And at the end of the podcast, we will let everyone know how they can find those books as well. But Sandra, upon reflection, I know, you know, when you really reflect in the last couple of years, how stressful it has been for parents who've had homeschool and keep working and still doing all the things that they're doing, plus maintain their own sanity and mental health, considering, you know, What's the, what your hope for the future in terms of where do you see you know, skills like mindfulness go? Do we need to really encourage it in schools? Do we need to start young? What are your thoughts on that?
1: So my hope for the future is you know, to be able to empower children and families to create more a more compassionate foundation so that they grow together. So a lot of the time we're looking for someone to blame or someone to come and be our hero you know, or come and protect us or the opposite. We think we have to do everything ourselves, which doesn't have to be such a polarisation. So my hope is that we discover ways to bring into schools how to get out of that drama triangle, that drama trap and find ways to connect on a more compassionate foundation. And this way we're talking about rather than who to blame or Who to look for to come and save us. We're actually looking at how to empower ourselves, how to empower each other, and how to support empowering each other as well. So I would love that to say
0: that in schools. I love that. And it's so interesting you say that when you talked about the drama triangle, the villain, the so what was it? The villain.
1: The victim, the villain or the bully, and the hero. Many stories have that as the basis. And you know, it's like a trap, you can't get out. However, if we look at it as, okay, these characters can all be inside of us. So I could have all those three characters inside of me and then I could be projecting that around me. But if I look at you rather than, or look at anyone, rather than looking for a victim, a hero, or for a bully in my life, if I'm looking for, okay, that person has needs, I have needs, what do they need? What do I need? So there's a really good example where there's a mother and daughter and they're driving and the little girl is getting all upset because things are not going her way to the point that she throws something from the back seat into the front seat while the mother's driving and gives the mother quite a fright. And the conversation sort of turned after a little while where somehow the mother got the child, you know, just chatting about things. And the little girl said, hey, mum, how old will I be when you're this age and we're, when dad's this age and where they're calculating all these ages? And she says, okay, so when I'm 18, I'll be able to drive and you'll be such and such age. She said, yes. And the mother said, that's going to be great because when you're driving, I'm going to sit in the back seat and throw things into the front seat at you. <laughs> and the little, the little girl burst out laughing and she said, oh my goodness, you'll be saying to me, you know, I'll be saying to you, don't do to me what I did to you when I was, you know, such and such old. And it, it was able; they were able to reflect. So I know I said earlier about reflecting on yourself when you're younger, but even looking at the child and having a chat and having a conversation, what's going to happen when you're older and what if I did that to you? The children can actually then project, you know, that scenario because you know how empathy can be so tricky for children. So putting them in a position of when they're older or, you know, whatever age that might be, can also be a great way to help children connect.
0: Wow, what a beautiful story. So, Sandra, how do you look after your stress levels? Because I know you're a mom, you're a wife, you're an author, you're a professional and you're studying as well. So how do you do you do it?
1: I know that if I go for a walk every day, I know that's my sanity. So I just need at least half an hour. So I make sure I do that most mornings. And I also make sure that I'm reading a little bit every day and that I have at least 10 minute conversation with a friend minimum each day and just doing something that makes me happy every day. So if I do that, then I know that there's time for me to fill my own cup. So I actually have it scheduled in my daily planner that there's self-care time
0: i love that scheduling it in and prioritizing it that is awesome so in terms of things that make you happy are these activities or is it just time alone or even journaling what does that look like
1: um usually just the walking reading gardening brilliant yes
0: fantastic. Amazing Sandra, such wise words and I hope it really inspires our listeners to really get started into mindfulness but not only for themselves but for their children and really to be aware of the impact, you know, of how much we load ourselves in especially as parents. How many responsibilities do you have and to always try and fill your cup first. So Before we let you go, Sandra, where can people find you and especially where can they find your books?
1: So Instagram is a good place to find me. So it's Sandra Harwood Books, or one word. Also, my books can be found on any online bookstores, so Amazon, Booktopia and things like that. And for counselling, so I'm doing counselling with Cobney Academy. So we have a website there. So if you put Sandra Harwood, Cobney Academy you'll find me amazing amazing thank you
0: so much sandra it's a pleasure thank you for having me remember that this is general advice only please see your healthcare professional for more information so what's your take-home message today remember it's all about progress and not perfection and are you suffering from stress Visit Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au and sign up for the six-week challenge on how to reduce stress today. Enjoy the journey.